he'll do great because he's a real good people person. Oh, it's a piece of cake. It's gonna be easy. Walk in the park. <laughs> I gotta see when he cleans the first dirty plate because Mr. Clean Freak, it's gonna be so funny. The worst thing, the worst thing, I, I get fired. That's the worst thing that can happen. I can get fired. So you're training okay. me. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. okay. Over here, everybody works hard. Okay. The menus yeah, are basic. over there. So this is our menus. menu. So I gotta memorize this whole thing. Yes. Pull it all times. So that way when. We're... I'm, I'm, I'm having a hard time pouring water. That's okay. That's okay. Okay. How do you carry this? Huh? How do you carry this? Like that. Just like this. Yeah. Okay. Sit down. Perfect. Oh, absolutely. You got it. What's your dog's name? Kunu. Kunu. Try to separate the napkins. Okay. And then we just throw the, the utensils in the cup like this. Okay. Oh, thank you. First timer. First timers. That's how, yeah. You just, Terry you just, Pork. Um, what they say? Um, Common sense. <laughs> okay, oh, okay. Common Terry sense, Park, not so common. Plate. Got it. TP plate. PLT plate. Plate. PLT yeah, plate. Okay, who's the Udon wonton bin special? We're gonna go right here. Oh, you got it? You sure? Okay. And then the Terry. Who's the Terry beef? Oh, I should have just gone that way. We'll just go this way. This is yours. And chicken sticks. Oh, there you go. Guys, ready for it? Regular nori burger with cheese. Right? Regular nori burger. Sauce on side with cheese. Oh, with cheese. W slash cheese. You have to do it a little nicer so the cooks can read your hand. Okay, got it. Okay, eight. So just make an eight. Eight, okay. Queso. No, 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 no. This is takeout, remember? Takeout. So, yeah, so you got, you need the yellow, the yellow. coffee. You can read that. Oh, man. So, yellow goes out there. And then hang yours up and go ordering. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to have to write nicer. Okay. And then you go take your utensil tray with you, and then you go utensil your table. At the same time? There you go. You want chopstick or fork? Anyone? Chopstick. Okay. Show your part. Gone. Okay. She was just showing me my handwriting. Like you gotta, you gotta change your handwriting. He's doing an awesome job for first day. Great. Any anything he needs work on? His handwriting. <laughs> Beth, what, what, what about his handwriting? It's bad. It's bad. If it was one of them, I'd be yelling already. <laughs> it's all right. We're getting used to it. But can you put it on top there? Like, you know, you're carrying two? What? Yeah, you can. You can. Okay. Race it. Okay, wait. Carry it. So that way, you know what? You don't have to walk back and forth. You go like this, and you rest it on. You see under my fingers? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. try that. Try this one. You're going to grab a nice piece of it. Okay. Like that. What? Yeah. Okay. Oh, you guys are. You feel it? 
feel it? Yeah, I feel okay. it. I feel like I'm going to fall off. Okay. There you go. Thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome. Coming right through. Oh, sir, so thank sorry. you. Thank you. No, that's okay. So, small wonton min, cowby ribs, kimchi, fried salmon. Right? Okay. Thank you. Are you sure? I'm absolutely positively sure. Why, does that sound not right? Okay, so if I didn't put the carbon copy... You have to rewrite it. <laughs> you have to rewrite it. <laughs> Could you put this over here, please? Right in the basket. Thank you. Appreciate that. Excuse you. <laughs> he did a great job. I'm glad he came. You know, the only thing missing, we should have just played some church music. That would have been funny, but he did great. He's a fast learner, and I just got to tell him it's all about attitude, you know, so. Good job, Pastor Ray. It was a, a lot, uh, of course, harder than I thought. I think um, in, in any business or any type of establishment, people see the upfront, but they don't see all the hard work that is done behind the scenes, especially in, in this kind of industry that you put on a smile, you, you want the people to feel valuable and you want them to uh, feel like they're the most important person. But at the same time, you're going through a lot and sometimes you just got to eat it. You know, if they say something to you that is negative, you just got to eat it. And boy, I, I can't imagine uh, how people go through things like that and, um, and still go back to work. We should do this like a once a month thing. You know, it's like a, like a refresher's course. Yeah, they said, he's good, this is fun. No, and you know, he's so appreciative, you know, so that's all you want, it's common consideration. You know, we, we lack that now, so when people are very uh, kind or understanding or they're considerate, you feel good, right? So same thing with us, when we're serving or we're giving you your food, if someone came up and goes, I don't want this, You'd be upset, so turns out nice. Good job. He's nice, he has a good disposition, so he can do that. I'm not saying that because he's my pastor, because you know, he's like that, but he's good. <laughs> I think the best thing about this experience is remembering that the job doesn't define a person. Uh, for it's their value is in who God made them to be and not in a position. Uh, I'm a, I was a waiter, uh, but you also have cooks. Then you have, uh, you have the manager. Uh, in another business, you would have a CEO. You would have a, a parking lot attendant. And sometimes we position ourselves uh, with people uh, and then we devalue people because of position. But I think the biggest takeaway was we're... we're we're valuable to God regardless of our position. Oh, that was fun. Yeah, give them a hand too, my coworkers. <clears throat> I got to cut my hair though. I was trying to do the best that I could with, with my hair. It wasn't working. They had to put a hair net on, so it was very uncomfortable. Uh, some of you, you work in an environment where it's uncomfortable. But just trying to learn that role was challenging. And so I hope you could enjoy that. Next week, we're going to show part two. So we'll be back for next week. It's going to be fun. This morning, as you could see, we're going to be talking about thinking like a servant. And throughout that whole entire time, and it probably be a couple hours, it wasn't too long, it's interesting how people react when you either make a mistake or forget something. I think we live in a world that, that we say 
because you're serving me or because you're getting paid, I can treat you like a servant. Because this is what you do, this is who you are. And I think we live in a world that we, we've, we've so uh, dehumanized people. We place people in positions, so because you're in that role, I can treat you that way. Yet God says that's not who you are. Your job doesn't define you. Your position doesn't define you. Your status doesn't define you. Really what makes you valuable is not in what you do or how much money you have or what you possess. It's who you are in God's sight. And today hopefully we can learn how can we think like a servant in such a way that it, it represents the Lord so well. And we can, we can miss that if we think that our jobs and, or not having a job or our health issues define who we are. So we're going to learn today about thinking like a servant, starting a new series called One Thought, because really it only takes one thought to redirect our actions. So think good thoughts. Think well thoughts. Some time ago, I was, I was thinking to myself, what does it look like to be a servant? I mean, does, does, it, does it mean that, that people can just do whatever they want? Does it, does it mean I got to let people walk all over me? What does a servant look like? What does it mean to serve the Lord? I was at a conference, and you know when you're at a conference, they have snacks, and so we had snacks at our table. And when we were done with the conference, everyone was dismissed, and so they're walking out. Some people are lingering behind, talking story. Well, I'm cleaning up our table, and some other people were clean. Some others, uh, they were cleaning their table too because, you know, our snack uh, rubbish. And so as I'm doing that, another pastor sees me, and he says, what are you doing? I said, I'm just cleaning up our mess. And he says, why are you doing that? I said, because it's our mess. We made this mess. And this is what he said. He said, but that's not your job. And I said, what do you mean that's, that's not my job? I don't need to work here to clean this up. He says, no, that's not your job. People are getting paid to do that. You don't need to clean up. And I said, well, I'm cleaning up because I, I want to. But inside I was thinking, I'm doing this because I represent the Lord. I'm not cleaning up because I'm trying to show someone that they're not doing their job. I'm, I'm cleaning up because... I want to represent the Lord well. Who knows that these hotel workers aren't watching us with a magnifying glass even more because they know it's a pastor's conference. That here we are at this conference and then we make a mess and we just leave. Yeah, it's their job, but wouldn't it speak even more if we as believers modeled servanthood? See, I, I think the best people in the world who should be the very best at what they do in their workplaces, and wherever they would be, are Christians, people who believe in Jesus Christ, people who follow him. They should be the best at what they do, not taking shortcuts at work, not lying to their bosses, but being honest, being honest workers, not shorting the system, not trying to cheat people, not trying to uh, uh, wheel and deal, but they're there to represent the Lord well. 
that when you go to work, you're not going below standard or whatever the standard is. You're saying, okay, I'm not going to pass that because if I do, then everyone's going to get mad at me because I'm working harder or I'm doing a better job. No, that's a different way of thinking. If you think like a servant, a servant says, the role doesn't define me. Jesus does. That I'm going to be an example to the rest of the world. Not to show off, not to make someone else look bad, but to represent Jesus well. My hope would be that, that the, in the places we work at or wherever we are, people would have a different feel when you're there as a believer. Because then they would say, you know, you're doing your job, but you do it so well. I don't have to worry about you. I don't have to worry about what you're doing, and, and I don't have to always keep my eye on you. In fact, you go over and beyond. And they say that not because you're trying to show off or you're trying to uh, make an impression, but you're doing that because you represent Jesus, that you're thinking like a servant. And sometimes we can get thrown off because we're forgetting who we are. Let's look at Romans chapter 12, verse 2. It's in your notes. Romans 12, verse 2, and we're going to read it together. We're going to read it out loud, and it's up here on the screen. Okay, you're going to be ready to read it? You guys are there? Romans 12, 2. Let's read it together. Ready, go. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. See, Jesus was known as the one who served he wasn't conformed to this world. He didn't think like the world thinks. He understood the perfect will of God, that which is good and pleasing and perfect. He knew that he was coming to a place that was imperfect. Therefore, he needed to set an example of what a servant really looked like. Not to, not to copy the behaviors and customs of the world, but to, but to be transformed by the way we think. That we're not going to conform ourselves to the world. That word conform means to conform oneself or your mind or your character to another person's pattern or another pattern. Or to fashion oneself according to something else. See, God said, I'm going to create in you the ability to think different. I'm going to create in you a way for you to think different than the ways of the world. God gave us that ability, and it's all up here in the way we think. That's why he says, no, don't copy the customs of the world. Let God transform you by the way you think. Last night, I was getting ready for this morning, and, and as I'm ironing this shirt, I realized that one of my buttons, you know the threading, how it comes out? I see a piece of thread coming out, so I'm going to pull at it to break it. So I pull at it, and instead of it breaking, it starts to unravel. And as it's unraveling, I'm thinking, oh my goodness, it's going gonna, it's gonna to come out. And as, it, as it's coming out, I'm thinking it's going to be worse. So now I'm getting frustrated because I'm thinking, oh my goodness, what's going to happen to this button? And I'm going to have to go to sleep in just a bit. So I asked Heidi, I said, Heidi, is there a needle and thread around? And uh, Heidi said, yeah, there's one in the drawer. So you know those little kits? You have like four or five needles in there. 
with the thread. So I pull that out, and now I have to, you know, you tie the knot at the end. And so I'm sewing the button. And it's going very well. It's, it's easy, easy to sew a button. So I sew this button, and now the difficult part comes to tie the knot on the backside of the button. So I tie the knot, but I can't get it really close to the fabric, so the knot is far away, and I'm getting frustrated. So Heidi says, do you need help? And I'm thinking, no, I don't need help. I can do this. It's just a knot. I can, it's no big deal. So I'm trying, and I'm getting more frustrated. Now I'm starting to sweat because I'm, this, this is a needle and thread. I can't do this thing. So finally, I'm getting it correct. And then I cut the thread, and, and so Heidi says, well, let me take a look at it. So she takes a look. She goes, it's fine. So I said, okay. But I'm frustrated. So now I've got to put the needle back into this little kit, and they've got to make this thing better. I mean, just it should be where you can put it in and you're done. But no, you have to put it in this little slot, and then you've got to wrap the, the, the rest of the thread back in so you can put the cover back on. Why make a slide cover? They should make it a closed cap cover. That way it's easier. So I'm, I'm trying to slide the cover back on. The thread keeps coming out. I'm trying to push the thread in. Because I'm sweating, it sticks to my finger, so the thread keeps coming out. I'm getting frustrated. I'm trying to push the thing in, and the needles keep poking out because I'm pushing down on the thread. It's not working out. I want to fly this thing in the drawer. That's what I'm feeling. So I thought, no, calm yourself. Calm yourself. So I'm thinking, wait a minute. What am I talking about tomorrow? I'm talking about not copying the behaviors of the world. That's my old self. I got to rethink things. I got to change the way I think. And so I, I, I literally said to myself, this is crazy. You got to do things different. So I had to put this thing away and then put it back in the drawer calmly. And by the time I'm done with all of that, I forget to iron my pants. So because I took so long, now the iron has cooled down. The iron is now back to normal. I got to wait. Now it's taking me 15 minutes longer, 15 minutes longer just to, to get rid of this button, just to get the button better, just to iron my clothes. And I thought, it's amazing that one small thing can get our thinking going in a different direction, can make us frustrated and angry and cause us to become what we used to be. See, before, if God did not step in and give me that, that scripture, Romans 12 too, I probably would have threw that thing in the rubbish can, would have kicked the drawer closed, would have slammed the ironing board, punched the hole in the wall, and then things would have been worse. My button would have fell off. I don't know what would have happened. All I know is one thought one thought can change the course of our actions. So we got to think good thoughts. See, thinking like a servant comes out of a heart of a servant. Let's look what the book of Proverbs tells us. Proverbs 23, verse 7, it says, For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. Eat and drink, saith he to thee, but his heart is not with thee. You know what the Bible is saying? It's like having people over for dinner. You say, hey, come, sit down, eat, eat, relax, have fun, eat a meal. You're saying the right things, but you're like, I can't wait till these people go home. Or when there's one piece of chicken left, and you love the chicken, and you're saying, hey, anybody want the last piece? 
You're saying the right thing, but inside you're saying, I hope nobody takes it. I hope nobody takes it. You're saying the right things, but your heart is not in it. Whatever's in the heart, the Bible says, will come out. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. See, if, if there's even a start, a start of an action, a start of a word that's going to come out, maybe a negative word, if there's a start, it was already in the heart. God says, there's an old way that you used to live, but now that you follow me, there's a new way to live. Let me transform you. And we've learned in this world to think of self rather than serving. I mean, when you go to the gas station, you get out of your car and you self-serve. Remember back in the day, you would get to the, and they still have that every, in different locations, but you would park your car. Here comes the gas attendant, and they would fill the gas, wipe down your windows, check the air in your tires. They would serve the entire car. They would serve you. But now we live in a self-serve. You go to the cashier, long lines, but not in the self-checkout line. You can serve yourself. They have apps now on your phone that you can order at certain restaurants, order your meal, pay for it, Arrive there 15 minutes later, pick it up, and go home. It's called self-serving. There's an app that you can go into a store, and so long as it's below a certain amount, you can, you can uh, log in your credit card information, scan the item, pay for it right then and there, and walk out with your item. It's called self-serving. See, we live in a world that's almost taking out the middleman of what it means to actually serve someone. Next thing you know, we're going to have self-serve customer service. And God is saying, you're, we're living in a world that it's, it's, it's forgetting what servanthood looks like. So here's what we got to do. We got to redefine, if you want to take some notes, number one, redefine the world's definition of servant. Because the world's definition of servant can actually mean self-serving. It can even happen in the church where we forget what serving is all about. That it's not about us, it's about the Lord and serving Him. But sometimes it can be about us. And God says it's not about you. When it comes to serving, it's about who I am and who I made you to be. And we got to redefine what serving is. So I thought, okay, to redefine what, what serving actually is... The best way is probably to look for someone who is the best servant. You know, who, who is the best servant in the church? Or who is the best servant at your workplace? To find the best servant, what would that look like? Now, we can do that, and we may find great people who serve, and they can be an example. But I wonder if the best definition of a servant wouldn't be someone who you would expect to serve in, in a certain way. But it would be someone who has no reason to serve in the way that we think they should. Like a, like a CEO of a multi-billion dollar company outside in the parking lot raking leaves to get the place prepared for customers. Or the president of the United States of America polishing Air Force One, polishing the limousines. 
I mean, you wouldn't expect that from someone in high authority, but we expect that from someone who's not in the highest authority. So probably the best definition of a servant would be someone who is in high authority do something that is not expected at the lowest, maybe lowest position. So really, we can look at a CEO, we can look at the president, or we can look at who has the highest authority in the world and the universe. And if in fact we're going to look at that person, then we would have to look to God. That God would be the perfect example of what it means to be a servant. God had, he, he, didn't, he didn't need to serve But God, in the highest place, got off of his throne and served you and I. Let's look at what the Bible says in Mark 10, 45. It says, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. You see, God came to this earth in human form. In the person of Jesus, being all God, yet all man, not to be served, not to say, well, I am, I am the highest authority. No, he said, being the highest authority, I want to show you how much I love you. I want to show you what it means to be a servant. And he humbled himself and became a servant. That, to me, is the, probably the greatest example of what a servant looks like. Someone who has no reason to get off of their to get away from their position as the highest authority and become one of the lowliest. But that's what Jesus did. In Luke 22, verse 27, Jesus says, Who is greater? Who's greater? It's kind of a rhetorical question. He says, Who is greater? He who sits at the table or he who serves? Who's greater? And he says, Is it, is it not he who sits at the table? And then he, he, he gives this kingdom secret. He says, Yet I am among you as one who serves. I'm among you as one who serves. It's like Jesus is saying, everyone wants to be at the table. Everyone wants to be at the head of the table. Everyone wants position. And Jesus says, that's not where you're going to find me. I'm not going to be there. You know where you're going to find me? You're going to find me among the servants. That's where you're going to find me. I visited the Iolani Palace years ago, and they took us on a tour. And they gave a story about King Kalakaua and how he would always have guests that came over. And when they had guests who came over, he would serve them. Not he himself in that way, but the servants would come and serve dinner, and, and he would be talking with them, and he, he loved talking story. And, and so he would tell the stories, and, and everyone would be having a great time. But because he, he was entertaining his guests, when the night was done, the servants would come in, take the food, and, and clean everything up. Well, this one night, they cleaned everything up, and the servants were downstairs in the kitchen. And they were eating their meal because now it's their turn. The king eats first, and now it's their turn. So now they're all eating in the kitchen. And as they're eating and laughing and talking story, the king shows up. And they all stop and pause because when the king shows up, especially downstairs in the kitchen... Everyone's wondering, what is happening? So they all stop, and he says, no problem. No, no, don't worry about anything. It's okay. Everything's okay. And they're, they're thinking, what do you need, king? And he says, 
I'm hungry. Oh, you're hungry. And they whip things up. They put things together. And he says, it's, it's okay. It's, I just need something to eat. And so they're all there eating with the king and just watching. And, and after a while, they began to relax. Because the king showed them that it's, it's okay. It's okay. I'm just hungry. And I'm okay being here with you guys. These servants saw another side of the king. It caused them to be even more loyal because he was found among the servants. The closest you and I will ever come to Jesus is when we're serving him. It's not the Bible knowledge, oh, it helps. It's not, it's not the necessarily the lifting of hands, although we're thankful for God and we cry out to Him. It's, it's a part of our worship to Him. Yeah, but He says, you know where you're going to find me? You're going to find me among the servants. And when you serve Jesus, you serve people in the name of Jesus, you're among the King of Kings. And He calls us to serve that's why Jesus said, that's where you're going to find me. It's among the servants. It's, it's who he is. He came to serve, not to be served. Therefore, for us, we've got to not just redefine the definition of servant, but we've got to learn the value. You can write that in your second point. To, to learn the value between God's ways and then the world's ways. See, the world's way of value can really come to position the way we look, what we own, how much money we make, and people find their value in that. But Jesus said, no, that's, that's, not, that's not where your value is going to be. You're going to have your value in me, and there is great value in serving the way God intended us to serve. 1 Corinthians 7.31, it says, those who use the things of this world should not become attached to them. For this world, as we know it, will soon pass away. And the Bible is saying it's okay to use things in the world. Just don't get attached to them. Because once you get attached to the things of the world, you're going to find your value in the things of the world. You're going to put your value in the things of the world. And when you do that and these things start passing away... Your looks start to go away. If that's your value, it's going to pass away. If money is your value, that's going to be gone. If owning things is your value, that's going to decay. And Jesus says that's, you don't attach yourself to the things of this world. Those things will pass away. And see, we, we attach ourselves so much to this world that it only increases selfishness. Selfishness leads to despair. But serving leads to life. If we keep pointing the arrows in, we will only become more and more selfish. One of the disciples named Peter, he walked with Jesus. He, he said great things and then he said foolish things. He, he did well and then he didn't do so well. He was kind of an up and down kind of person. Kind of reminds me of me. And as he walks with Jesus, he's learning a few things. He learns what it means to not... not be like the world, but to model that of Jesus Christ. And so by the time Jesus dies on the cross and then, ra and then is resurrected from the grave, 
Peter writes in the Bible, one of the books in the Bible, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13. Peter writes this. He says, so think clearly and exercise self-control. He says, look forward, look forward to the gracious salvation that will come when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. And then he shifts to kind of a, a, a strong word for the church and for us. He says, so you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then. But now you must be holy in everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy. For the scriptures say, you must be holy because I am holy. See, when you serve how Jesus would in everything you do, you become just like him. A holy servant. Not perfect, holy. You're set apart, you're sanctified, or you're, you're used by God in such a way that people would see your good works and glorify God in heaven. That's why Peter said, don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. It's going to be there. Don't slip back into that. And saying you can be more like the Father because the true test of being a servant is only when we've had the opportunity to be selfish and served still. That's the true test of a servant, is when you've had the opportunity to be selfish, but you served even still. You had the opportunity to just cater to yourself, but you, you said, no, I'm going to serve someone else. You had the opportunity to, to shine yourself, but you gave credit to others. God could have been selfish, but he gave. Someone once said it like this. How do you know that you are a servant? And the answer was, when you're treated like one. Well, how do I know if I'm, I'm, I'm serving when you're treated like one? How do you react? How do you respond? How do you test the heart of a servant? It's when you're treated like one. How do you respond? See, when someone gets on your nerve, I thought of it this way. Can I just get that? Thank you so much, Matt. When someone gets on your nerve, it's time to pick up the towel and serve. Did you know that serving in a frustrating environment neutralizes all of those evil spirits around? It neutralizes it. It takes care of it. It's like if we're angry and we're, we're at work and we're saying, who made this mess? Who made this mess? Nobody, nobody's cleaning up. Oh, I, guess, I guess I'm going to have to clean up. I guess if nobody else is going to clean up, and look, that's your name on this, but I guess I'll throw it away. Or you can, when they get on your nerve, put on the towel and serve. And just pick up and clean up. Very simple. Hey, Tom, um, is this your Tupperware? Yeah, is it okay if I put it over here? Yeah, yeah, hey, thank you for doing that. Okay, no problem. Just do it that easy. When someone gets on your nerve, it's an indication to serve. Just take the towel of a servant, put it over your arm, and serve. That's what Jesus did. If you're reading along with us in the, in, with our devotions, we read the Old Testament and the New Testament. And sometimes when we read the Old Testament, it's like, wow, God, God sounds angry. It's like, wipe out these people, take these people out. And it almost seems like God is mad. But what God actually did was... He got mad at sin. 
That's what God got angry at. He got angry at sin. And you know what he did? He didn't just get mad at sin and, and didn't just get frustrated. He put on the servant's towel and served us. Sent us Jesus Christ. And he put on the servant's towel. So here's what we can do. Something practical. Number three, start serving someone. Just start serving someone. Because when you serve, something happens on the inside that takes care of everything that's happening on the outside. When you serve people in the name of Jesus, they don't see you serving. They see the Savior in you serving. That's what they'll see. They'll see Jesus in us serving. That's why when I walk around here on Sunday mornings, even right now, there are, there are tons of servants, people in the kitchen. Earlier, I'm just walking around and just visiting everyone, just talking with them. And I see a bunch of people just continuously serving. This church is full of servants. Now, of course, we always could use more servants all the time. But we do have a wonderful, wonderful group of servants. People behind camera right now, upstairs, in the children's and nursery. They're serving. People outside, serving. Because they understand that when we say yes to Jesus, now it's time for us to serve people. We don't ever want to miss that in this world, to continuously serve people. And when we do, people are going to see the heart of Jesus. See, thinking like a servant, uh, I, I thought of it this way. Thinking like a servant is like a, it's like a massage. A massage takes time and effort, but it feels so good. Husbands, if you're here right now next to your spouse or a family member, just rub the back of their neck. Just grab them by the back of their neck and just rub it. Go. Do that. Children with your mommy, just go do that. Sierra, rub mommy's back of her neck. Rub her neck. <laughs> Feels good, right? It's a massage. Okay, you're done. Don't choke them. <laughs> a massage feels so good. It just feels so good. That's what serving does. And the reason why serving feels good is because you and I were made to serve. But when we lose the heart of thinking like a servant, then we just do the task and we become angry or frustrated because we lost the role of a servant. We just do what the servant does. Rather than picking up the towel and being like Jesus and start to serve people. John 12, 26 says, anyone who wants to be my disciple must follow me. Because my servants must be where I am. And the Father will honor anyone who serves me. Just start serving someone. Serving Serving someone minimizes selfishness and, and maximizes effectiveness. You want to be effective in your marriage? Serve your spouse. You want to be effective in your family? Serve your family. You want to be effective in your work environment? Serve people there. You want to be effective in the church? Serve. That's who God made us to be. We're servants to the Most High. And the more we learn what a servant is, the more we learn about Jesus. Because he's a servant unto us. Mark 9.35, Jesus sits down and he, he calls his 12 disciples to him and he said, Whoever wants to be first must take last place and be the servant of everyone else. You know why Jesus said that? Because his disciples were looking for position. 
They were wondering, hey, so who's going to sit at the right hand or the left hand? Who's, I wonder what, what it's going to be like in the kingdom. Who's going to be there? And Jesus says, if you want to be great, you got to be the least. you got to serve other people. Because that's where my power is. And that's where you will find me. Serving requires sacrifice. That's what Jesus was saying. It requires sacrifice. In fact, isn't that what Jesus did? He sacrificed his own life to serve you and I. You know, I think sometimes we think God thinks of us in a, in a devalued way when we make a mistake or we sin or we do things that are opposite of what God is asking of us. And so we say, well, I don't, I don't know, God doesn't accept me. I don't know, I, I don't want to go to church because I'm doing this or I feel bad. And, and we'll go through that. But God had one thought. His one thought wasn't, oh, look at how bad you are. Oh, oh, look at what you did. His, his one thought isn't, well, good luck next time. His one thought isn't, oh, you keep doing that and then I'm not going to love you anymore. That's not his thought. You know what God's one thought was when he looked at this world and saw mankind sinning? His one thought wasn't, oh, I hate these people. I can't stand them. You know what his one thought was? His one thought was, I so love them. I want to add value to them. They feel worthless right now. I so love the world that I'm going to give them my one and only son that anyone who believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Oh, to think like a servant requires sacrifice and God modeled that for us so well by sending us Jesus. And Jesus shows up and loves us in a temporary world so that we could follow him into eternity. That's what a servant would do. Sacrifice their own life for someone else so they could do well. All it takes is one thought to redirect our actions. So let's think well. How about that? Can we say amen? Can we say amen to that? Let's have some good thoughts. You bow your heads with me as we pray together. Lord, you have given us some things to think about when it comes to servanthood, to think like a servant. And, and maybe you've given us one thought this morning. Maybe our one thought today is, well, how can I serve someone that would encourage them? Maybe our one thought today is, what sacrifice can I make so that someone else can do well? Maybe our one thought is, as a father, I want to be effective in my family, so I'm going to serve them well. Lord, whatever that one thought is today, can you just, just seal that to our hearts so that when we leave here, we have that one thought. And I'm going to ask you right now, if you're here this morning and, and maybe God is speaking some things, just have one thought. Have one takeaway today. And just let the Lord know right now, here's my one thought. You might write it down. You might put it in your phone somewhere as a reminder that this is my one thought for this week. Next week, we'll have another thought. 
but that God would continuously raise us up to be the people he's making us to be. So Lord, thank you for modeling for us what a servant looks like. Help us to continuously think like a servant so that whatever's in the heart, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. We want to think like a servant so that our actions show people who you are. We pray this in your name. And we all said amen.